0: Democracy gives power-hungry politicians far worse incentives than the market gives greedy business people. Above all, voters, unlike consumers, have no incentive to be rational, spurring power-hungry politicians to preach and practice endless demagoguery. Welcome to Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone in the Libertarian Institute. Today I'm joined by Dr. Brian Kaplan, author of How Evil Are Politicians, along with his new book, Don't Be a Feminist, Dr. Kaplan, where is the best place to purchase the book?
1: The best and only place for these is Amazon. This is a series of eight books of my very best essays over the last 17 years, and they are Amazon exclusives.
0: Feminism is the moral position that women and men should have equal rights. Is that a fair definition?
1: It is not a fair definition. This is, of course, a language where you have to find out how, in fact, do people use words. Fortunately, as I point out in the piece, there's actual survey evidence on whether or not someone identifies as a feminist and whether or not they agree with that statement. And guess what? It turns out that well over 90 percent of non-feminists as well as feminists agree with that sentence, which means it is a crazy definition of feminism. It's like defining feminism as the theory that the sky is blue. Yes, feminists believe the sky is blue, but guess what? They're not the only ones. Everybody else believes it, too.
0: When it comes to uh, the general claims that feminists make, I want to make a number of arguments. You tell me if these are legitimate reasons to be a feminist or there's something missing. Most violence between the genders involves men being the perpetrators and women, the victims, indicating men view women as property, not humans to be treated with respect and dignity.
1: All right. First, let's back up. So we, you left us with a wrong definition of feminism. The one that I propose is this. Feminism is the view that society treats women more fairly than, or excuse me, that society treats women less fairly than men, or alternately, that it treats men more fairly than women. And this is the lens through which I'm looking at. Of course, it's got to be overall, because if you just find that on a list of a thousand different traits, there is one that is disadvantageous to women in our society that hardly establishes the thesis that overall our society is less fair. Now, to turn to your specific question, you know, if that were in fact true, then I would say that that is a small piece of evidence in favor of feminism. But again, it's one where we need to step back and say, well, you know, if it's true that women are more likely to be victimized in intergender violence, how about men in general? Right? And what we see is that men are vastly more likely to be the victims of violent crime than women. And important to remember, of course, vast majority of men are not violent criminals. So the real story is that we have a small number of violent criminals who do indeed tend to be male, who do bad stuff to men and women, and they do a lot more bad stuff to fellow men.
0: And why is that? Uh, is that does that have to do with the testosterone levels, you think? Because the feminists will say that it's a causal result of uh, society telling men that they're entitled to do whatever they want.
1: Right. I have never heard society tell any man that ever. (laughs) So that seems like a conspiracy theory. In my entire life, I've never once heard anyone explicitly state from in any sort of public authority position, men are entitled to do whatever they want. And in particular, men are entitled to do whatever they want to women. And this is just paranoid fantasy. This is not what society says. I mean, if there is something the society says, it is that it is especially heinous for men to commit violence against women. That's why if you have a story about a male actor getting in a fight with another man, that does not destroy his career. Even if people say he started it, still, it's like, well, you know, these things, these things happen. But if there were a case of a male actor hitting any woman, especially if it was caught on camera, probably that would be the end of his career. Uh, in fact, as I say, the real empirical story is that Not only our society, but almost all known societies treat violence against women as being especially awful, as being especially awful. And the double standard is in favor of women, not men.
0: Yes. Never hit a woman, women and children first. Yes. That's what I hear, but. Right. And again, (laughs) if you just,
1: well, here like, if you want to get an idea about what our society teaches us, you can just take a look at how you write a story in such a way as to depict a person positively or negatively. If you have a story where a man does something bad to a woman, this is a clear sign from the author. This is a terrible human being. It's fine to hate him. He is a villain in the story. On the other hand, if a man says something insensitive and a woman slaps him, which often happens in stories, this is not a key to say this woman is the devil. Rather, it is more like, well, what an understandable reaction when a man makes such a jackass out of himself. Of course, you're going to go and slap him. And it's kind of funny. I mean, just you know, the, the, the humorousness of violence varies very strongly by the gender combination of who's doing it and who is receiving it. And all of this fits with exactly the opposite of the story that, we, that, you, that feminists will say, which is that we actually make men feel entitled to do stuff. It's the other way around. You know, if you just lick, listen to what adults, teachers, parents say and the kinds of corrections they give from a young age, it is boys that are being told to stop doing things that they want to do and being basically being told to act more like girls. So you know, it's just not an accurate description of what is going on.
0: Yes. Uh, female on male violence was the punchline twice in the last Modern Family episode I watched. Alex yeah. the girl is beating the heck out of the guy because he plays a, uh, a puzzle joke on her. And I go, you know what? Uh, I, I'm sexist because I guess I'm okay with this because I wouldn't be okay with it the other way around because yeah, it's course. just not that threatening. Yeah. Next claim of the feminists. Googling the word mansplaining yields 3.25 million results. This is the explanation of something by a man, typically to a woman, in a manner regarded as condescending or patronizing. This is a very big problem. Therefore, it needs to uh, be addressed uh, because men see women as sort of these dumb idiots who we kind of need to
1: rule over. Right. I assume there are far fewer Google hits for womensplaining or whatever the alternate term would be you know i would say the obvious story is that there because there is a vocal and energetic feminist movement there is a lot of complaining about the way that men behave and so you get a lot of uses of it whereas there is almost no corresponding men's movement that would be pushing the opposite so you can talk about incels or the manosphere it's just much less culturally influential so if you're going to take complaining as indicative of the incidence of the problem, then obviously it looks like men are at least looking poorly here, although it is one of the more minor complaints you could have about a human being that they explain things in a condescending manner. If you were just go and list other character flaws that would be more severe, there'd be a lot more. In any case, if we were to really go and actually record incidences of intergender conversations where a condescending tone is used, It would be not at all surprising if it turned out that women were using a condescending tone more often. And I think even if this were pointed out, the reaction would be, well, men deserve to be condescended to because they just say things that are so asinine. And if this is one where I would say we don't really have good data, but the fact that people are so willing to fling the accusation around, I think is very little evidence that there is a gender imbalance in the severity of condescending expression towards one another.
0: Yeah, and it goes to show you how just blatantly ridiculous uh, this uh, the, this whole thing is. Uh, when I think of all the time that I felt was wasted in K through 12 and community college and high school, it was like 99.9% women mm-hmm. that were doing mm-hmm. the alleged teaching. But I never looked at that and said, oh, look at these woman-splainers. That never would have occurred to me to say. And then second of all, if I heard someone say it, i go, yes, they all happen to be women, but there's women in my life who I really love. Mm-hmm. And shut up. Don't ever say that in front of me because that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're negatively generalizing people. I really yeah, care. Yeah. About. You're going to negatively generalize,
1: generalize about teachers, not women. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. you
1: know, in in to, uh, a vocation, you voluntarily join and where there is actually a low level of performance.
0: Next one. Men make more money than women. Therefore, uh, sexism is the result of this because it's so much more. It's mm-hmm. not just a little more
1: right so i am an economist and this is the kind of question that economists are especially trained to do Uh, so when i was writing the book i went to the main review articles on this and what they will say is if you just put in some fairly obvious competing explanations alternatives to sexism such as men working more hours more likely to work full-time men are more likely to be in stem type jobs then almost all of the gap goes away. I think that the main review article says they still have seven or 8% of the pay gap unexplained. And this is when you're only using a few different alternative explanations to race against the pure sexism one. Uh, There is a really good book called Why Men Earn More, which goes over, I believe, 25 different reasons why men earn more. Uh, this is actually in many ways it is better than what economists are doing because he just has a much longer list and evidence on each specific one. He doesn't He isn't able to actually get a data set where you have all the different complaints or all the different alternative explanations simultaneously, which is what would be ideal. But yes, there are many differences between the kinds of jobs that men and women do. Men are more likely to do the jobs that are painful, ugly, dirty, demoralizing. For example, in medicine, men are more likely to be specialized in what we call the death the death parts of medicine, right? So you deal with oncology, you deal with horrible, miserable conditions, uh, and you can imagine how unpleasant it is to do that job. Women, on the other hand, in medicine are more likely to do pediatrics, OBGYN, other fields where you're more likely to be helping a person have a better life rather than just saving them from the worst possible outcomes or maybe just delaying inevitable horror. Uh, So anyway, if you go through that book, there's a lot of different stories. That book is especially good because it is a self-help book, which says women, if you want to make more money, here are 25 things that men are doing to make more money. And if you want more money, just you do these things too, and you'll be making a lot more money. Although once you find out what it is that men are doing to make this extra money, you might decide you don't want to do it. And on the flip side, if you're a man reading the book, you may read it and say, yeah, I don't want the money that badly. And, you know, so for example, another thing that men are more likely to do is to move to an undesirable location for a career, to move to Alaska, South Dakota, that kind of thing. Of course, lots of people want to move to San Francisco or New York City or some hot location. But if you are, want to go in advance, you need to s- settle for lower quality of life so that you can rise through the ladder. This is standard behavior for men who want to succeed. Um, um, so just to back up and talk about a little bit more, you know, the main thing to remember is there's a world of difference between unfairness and inequality, world of difference between unfairness and inequality. I have a, I have a total number of zero sports medals. It is not because I was treated unfairly. It's because I didn't try. And if I did try, my performance would be low. This is not a pleasant explanation for why someone is failing, or at least is not performing at the top level, but it, must always be on the table as something we're open to, open to considering if people are going to be allowed to go and complain and expect people to act on it. It's one thing if people just say, look, I'm really frustrated. Okay. That's, that's too bad. So sorry for you. But once people want to politicize it and say something wants to be done, this is where you really do have to say, well, wait a, wait a second. We don't really know the reason that you're making less money is that you were treated unfairly. Now, what I also point out is that there's something fundamentally fishy about stories of equally qualified women earning vastly less than men. The reason being, it does imply the existence of an amazing get-rich-quick scheme for every business in America, which consists in fire all men, replace them all with women who do exactly the same job. And since, by assumption, these women are equally qualified, you will then get just as high-quality work for a much lower price. Since labor is a major cost of doing business, it really is a brain-dead, idiot-proof way to make a pile of money, unless, of course, the premise is wrong, and the reason why women are making less money than average men is not unfairness, but rather that the productivity is lower, or they are less committed to the job, or they are working fewer hours. There's all kinds of other stories to consider. Right. And, you know, an important thing here is as soon as someone wants to bite your head off for raising these alternatives, this is where you know that they are just not being serious about the issue. Right. When if you want to discover the truth, you don't intimidate people who try to ask questions. You welcome questions, even if you don't really want to hear the questions. Yeah. Anytime you're presenting a view that you hold dear, there's a some kind of resentment of someone saying, well, actually, but. What a serious thinker does is they suppress their own emotions instead of expressing them to others in a thinly veiled effort to get them to shut up.
0: Have you done any research on the difference between Indian American incomes, Asian American incomes, and European American incomes?
1: Well, uh, I've gone over a lot of this data, but the data that I looked at was older back when there were hardly any South Asians in America. Uh, what I can say about South Asians is now... Hindus, well, in particular, Hindus are now the highest-earning religion in America, and Indian Americans are, I believe, the highest-earning ethnicity, right? It used to be Jews were the highest-earning religion, but they have been been dethroned by Hindus. In terms of Asian earnings, yeah, this is one where, on average, Asians out-earn whites, and this has been true, I believe, since the late 60s, right now. Once again, the very fact that a group is out earning another does not mean that they have not been treated unfairly. Maybe Asians would be making even more money if they were treated fairly. Uh, What I would say is that at least some of the data are consistent with there being a very tiny amount of that, maybe 5%. Although, again, when it's that small, you always have to be open to the possibility maybe there's something that is a correct alternative explanation that I just haven't thought of yet or that just has simply not been measured.
0: The term patriarchy, meaning rule by men, is summarized in point B of your list in this excellent book, Don't Be a Feminist. It says men are overrepresented at the top levels of business, government, science, and beyond. I know there's a lot of overlap, but when it comes to that claim, how do you respond?
1: Right. Well... We can just start by looking at the facts and say, like, is it true that men have a large majority of the top positions in these fields? And yeah, in basically every known society, that is true. But then the question is, why? Why? All right. And secondly, there's the other question of what does it mean? On the what does it mean, this is where I keep telling people, well, let's step back. Yes, men are overrepresented at the top. Do you know what else? Men are overrepresented at the bottom. Men are much more likely to be homeless. Men are much more likely to be in prison. Men are much more likely to be, let's see, to, to, to die of violence. Men are much more likely to die in combat. Right. So if, you know, just go and say that we have a society where men rule when men are so overrepresented at both the top and the bottom is quite odd. And it's like, what do you mean by that? I mean, you could just say, no, no. by definition, patriarchy means that men predominate at the top, regardless of whether they predominate at the bottom. But then, well, it seems like a kind of arbitrary definition that just defines away a pile of evidence. Right now, in any case, then there is the other big point about just because men are overrepresented, does it mean that they are unfairly overrepresented? Maybe they simply excelled through better performance. Right. And this is one where we can definitely look at areas like science and just say, okay, well, Here are all the main scientific accomplishments of men. What are the corresponding scientific accomplishments of women? Uh, There are some, but it's really hard to find anything remotely close to parody. uh, This is a small example, but it is kind of fun. There's a really great cartoon history of comic books. I I think it's called the comic book history of comic books. There's a first edition where they just went through the regular history. And then after it was published, they said, oh, wait, we basically mentioned zero women in this entire book. So then they did a second edition, which I also have because they colorized it and I like the colors, where they put in a bunch of pages about women in comics, where they just did a really deep dive and tried to find something that women had done. All right. It's not true that women have done nothing in comics, but nevertheless, the fact that you could write a whole book giving a very thorough history and then at the end say, oh, wait, what about the women? Does give us an indication Look, they just didn't do as much. Now, you can, of course, say, well, yeah, but why is that? Why is that, right? It's an interesting question. Um, There are, of course, again, a bunch of explanations which would not require unfairness. The simplest one is maybe they were less interested in comic books. Is it possible women are less interested in comic books than men? Yeah. Well, if you're not interested in something, you're probably not going to excel at it, are you? No. All right. That's something that's worth considering. And, of course, the same goes for natural science. Is it possible women are just less interested in natural science we have a pile of evidence that they are less interested in it. Most obviously, just looking at the majors that people choose to do. You can always then come back and say, well, if physics were properly welcoming to women, then they would be equally represented. And this is something like, well, so you say, is there any evidence of this? Or is this just something that you always claim whenever you went backed into a corner or where you have painted yourself into a corner with exaggerated, hyperbolic, paranoid claims I'm going to go primarily with the latter, although you know, maybe we could find something. I mean, much of what I object to is just the thinly veiled intimidation when someone asks questions. Because when someone says, well, why do you think it is? Right? They aren't really asking you why you think it is. They are trying to make you scared to talk so that, ever, so that everyone has to pretend that they've got it all figured out and they know the answer is unfairness when there's obviously plenty of other explanations on the table. One thing that I did not mention in the essay, Don't Be a Feminist, A Letter to My Daughter, is that we do have interesting data on what happened to Jews versus women when there was a great emancipation in both law and social norms. So we can see is that back when, uh, when, when Jews were in the ghetto in Europe, then they had a very low share of your of, uh, of world achievement in science, literature, philosophy, and so on. Then, if you go and take a look at measures of achievement that you'll see in dictionaries of achievement, you'll see that very soon after the ghettos were ended, Jewish achievement skyrocketed from just a few percent of achievement to like 25 percent. Women, on the other hand, when barriers came down, have not risen to anything remotely like that. So I think this does show in the case of Jews, it looks like it really was a system that was suppressing natural performance for women. The data are just much less in favor of that. And I'm only a messenger. This is not my fault. A common misconception about this book and especially lead essay is that this is expressing some kind of anger and hostility towards women. Nothing could be further from the truth. The subtitle, again, is A Letter to My Daughter, if you read it. It is me talking to her, trying to explain to her what is really going on in the world. Do I want my daughter to have all the good things in life? Of course. Do I have any resentment of her not on your life? Like I'm not one of the parents who feels like my kids somehow ruin things for me. Far from it. My kids are my salvation. During COVID, to be, a, to be an, a, a childless adult during COVID, I just would have been out of my mind. Right? At least I had four kids to keep me company during the bleak times. So like when I present this evidence to her, it is not in any kind of negative spirit. It is just saying, look, let's go and try to face the facts. Let's realize that just because something is true statistically does not mean that it is the definition of your life. At the same time, do not be taken in by demagogues who want to go and make you blame whatever goes wrong in your life on men, because it's quite likely that men, in fact, are not the reason for your problem.
0: Certainly. I I couldn't imagine the opposite, meaning that you cared about your kids. Imagine telling your son, men are 50 percent of the population, yet 95 percent of those incarcerated because you're discriminated against, little boy. Good luck in the world. Have Mm -hmm. a good day. That would be a that would be like child abuse. The closest thing I could imagine.
1: Right. Although, you know, even there, I mean, you know, that's that's an interesting one, because in the case of discrimination on pay, there we do have this very strong economic argument saying that if there really were substantial pay, pay discrimination by gender, there'd be a get-rich-quick scheme that any business could avail itself of. In the case of the criminal justice system, on the other hand, it's not like if it treats you unfairly, you can just say, forget it, I'm going to go and move to Norway. Right? So it is one where we should at least be more open to the possibility that there is gender discrimination. The evidence here is not what, I, what it should be, but... Um, Warren Farrell, who is an author I take very seriously, does at least present some marginal evidence that women are more likely to get lighter sentences for some crimes, um, you know, you know, especially things like you know, if you go and kill your partner and then claim, uh, then claim abuse and basically the burning bed defense, women are a lot more likely to get away with that than men. That could, of course, reflect the, tr- the reality that women are more likely to be living in fear for their lives. Well, he also does go over some interesting evidence on spousal violence or interpartner partner violence, where he says it's a lot more complicated than most people think. Um, in terms of most measures, it's very similar by gender. Even in terms of severity, uh, he says that women are more likely to use a weapon or more likely to get a man to commit their violence for them. So actually, even on the severity measures, it is not so clear that in partner abuse that men are, are actually worse overall than women. But this is where the evidence, I would say, is quite a bit weaker. So uh, it's a good idea to keep an open mind on it. But it was eye-opening to me to realize it's not actually open and shut.
0: Have uh, you seen, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, a non-bizarre way to say this, have you seen uh, a baby's reaction to being circumcised?
1: Ooh, I, I never have. I managed to get all of my sons to not be circumcised. It was done to me, but of course I have no memory of it. The claim that they don't feel pain at that age just seems so absurd, right? Yeah, so I have been anti-circumcision for a long time. In terms of like what's the actual most practical way to deal with it, I think it's a bad idea to actually take kids away from their parents for it because circumcision does not predict doing a bunch of other horrible things to your kids. But yeah, like, you know, it is one where the way that people accept it so casually seems absurd to me. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, so actually, yeah, there is an essay in don't be a F- I think it is in don't be a feminist. Yeah. Where I talk about Michael Chabon, who has an essay on the circumcision of his kids and he goes over all the arguments and says, yeah, none of the arguments in favor of circumcision are any good. Probably hurts a lot, but haha. Well, that's just how we are. We're, we're, we're flighty creatures. We are, none can say what a parent will do. And so we circumcise them anyway. Right. And when, and when I read that, as so, so I say in the essay, it's, Almost never do I just want to throw a book across a room, but that was one where I was like, what the hell? This is like you're in a society where they clip off one knuckle of a baby's finger and the, with a, on the base of a bunch of flimsy arguments, and then you say, yeah, well, there's no good reason to do it, but clip, clip, ha-ha, very funny. Isn't, isn't life so ironic and whimsical? <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, well, it was something that I always thought, well, it's a parent, sort of like how they choose the name, they choose which clothes the kids wear, they choose the kid's haircut, you can choose to or to not to. And then I saw like four or five videos of it. And then I asked a doctor, I said, hold on, am I only seeing these videos? Because they're the worst examples? And Mm -hmm. they go, no, that's generally how it's done. And it's too risky to like put a kid under and give them an anesthetic. So i mean they would never do that so yeah yeah, that's how it is and i go i I think that was like the one thing that took me maybe 12 to 24 hours to totally change my mind on everything Mm -hmm. else i've gone kicking and screaming but that's like oh i need to absolutely be against this even if it's uncomfortable for my friends having kids i'm going to bring it up and they can hate me but uh i got so many kaplan books to read that uh, (laughs) I, i i could lose a few friends
1: yeah, right after my first two sons were born, the doctor came in and said, okay, well, when do we schedule the circumcision? And I was strongly tempted just to say, are there any other healthy body parts you think we ought to amputate? But I just said, we're not doing it. And he's like, oh, well, oh, oh. And then he did look at my name and he's like, well, hmm, Jewish last name, what, you're going to go and break this chain letter of amputation that's gone on for thousands of years? Like, yeah, I'm breaking the chain letter. no.
0: From Moses, and it stops with Kaplan. Wow, just unbelievable. You, you really threw a wrench in that chain. <laughs> Letter F. Men view women as sex objects. This does not allow women to go about their lives and live with dignity because they're constantly being treated as a means to an end, not as an end in am of themselves. How do you respond?
1: Right. To start, there's hyperbole there, like an enormous amount of hyperbole. Yes, constant. You're like, Unless you're a supermodel, and even there, it's unclear. You're like constantly be, be being being approached, that's just a gross exaggeration. Like I've talked to many women, and like the amount of times it actually happens is not nearly that high, right? But there's two ways of go, of, of going about this. So one, you know, I point out, like so, like there's a lot of truth in it. This is the way that a lot of men, especially young men, see women. But guess what? It is a two-way street. It is also true that a lot of women see men as success objects. That they just look at a guy and say, "Well, has this guy done well in the world? Uh, and it, done it well in his career? Is he rich?" In that case, uh, I like that guy. Right. So in both cases, you may say he would say is an example of human beings being superficial. It's not the most. It is not not the most admirable trait. It's one that we do see across both genders. Right. Now, furthermore, in terms of the general complaining. I mean, this is a thought experiment that I think does really give us a lot of insight. Just imagine that you could go and turn your dial of physical attractiveness anywhere you want from zero to 10. Wherever you put it, you were going to have to deal with all the good and all the bad of that attractiveness. Where would most men put it? Where would most women put it? I think very few people would put it below average. Right. Because, yes, being, uh, being physically attractive gives you a lot of good things in life. It does have some mild downsides, but overall, it's a good thing. And for someone to go and really complain about that does strike me as a strange set of priorities and just a strange perspective. You might say, Yo, I'm really smart and this is terrible because now pe- people want to go and ask me for help on their homework. So, all right, well suppose they will, but guess what? You get to be smart. So maybe it is not the most reasonable, most, most reasonable or serious complaint to be sharing for attention.
0: Yeah, I knew a uh, very rich uh, girl in school who lied and said she was poor because at her previous school, everyone knew she was rich and <laughs> she didn't know who her friends were. Like people were constantly yeah. using her. Yeah. And I go, okay, I get that that's a small problem in the large scale yeah. of things, but it's actually a really difficult psychological <laughs> issue. The, are the people you surround yourself, they <laughs> say they like you, but you've only been fooled a hundred <laughs> times before. So I'm yeah, surprised that so a young that.
1: person would have that attitude. I can see someone you know like, like in their thirties worrying about that kind of thing, but I mean it's just like how long could you even keep that a secret unless you don't have any friends? So if you have any friends, they're gonna come to your house, they'll see how you live and then they'll tell people. So uh It's a a strange story, but, uh, of course, the world is full of strange things. It's so big.
0: In response to the claim that uh, women do a disproportionate amount of housework and care for the kids Mm -hmm. and don't get compensated, you had mentioned that you went to Europe, I believe, with one of your kids, and you saw a lot of women and children who were refugees from Ukraine, but you didn't see any men. If you had to guess, where do you think they were?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, they're stuck in Ukraine. Most of them are not fighting. It's not like the like, like Ukraine has as an army of 15 million guys or anything like that. Uh, rather, it's just a law saying that if you are between 16 and 60, you are males are not allowed to leave Ukraine. Uh, yes. So this is a gross violation. And, and furthermore, this is one where they don't even have the excuse of we need them as soldiers, You know, like like a guy who's 59 is going to be a soldier. Right, that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's, it would be more reasonable to keep the thirteen-year-old guys in the country because if the war goes on three years, then you can draft them then. But yeah, like really, what's going on is like, well, men, their role is just to be human shields, right? And even if you're not a soldier, still, we don't want the world thinking that we're cowards and that we have adult men leaving the country. Yeah, so there, there is that. Uh, what, what was the so? What was, was the prior this- part? What was the prior part? So you're contrasting the. You know, like the like the treatment of ukraine with what was the other thing you just said before just to refresh my memory
0: well the the claim was that women do a disproportionate amount uh, yes. of housework
1: yes so that's one actually that is just not that that is uh, you know so it is true they do a disproportionate share of housework but if you go and some paid labor and unpaid labor then the average for the two genders according to the best time diary work in sociology is very equal uh, again the real story is that there are some women who do put in a lot more hours than the average man and other women who put in a lot less hours than the average man. So basically, the women who do put in a lot more hours than the average man are working moms, working moms with full-time jobs. So they, If you go in some, their paid labor plus unpaid labor is really high. On the other hand, if you look at stay-at-home moms, the total amount of labor they're putting in is actually way lower than a full-time job on average. right? And this is even though, as again, uh, Warren Farrell points out, there is a bias in this research because a lot of things that men do that don't get properly counted as, as housework. For example, men are much more likely to go and drive when they're, when they are, when they are with their partner. And we don't generally consider this to be a form of labor and yet driving a cab is labor. So it's unclear why being the, being the person that drives the family car when the family's together, wouldn't be considered as such. Right. So that, and that's probably a lot of time actually. So if we did a, a better a better distinction between different activities than uh, you know, quite it seems likely to actually it would wind up coming out in men's favor as long as you sum both kinds of work.
0: How is it that the military conscription aspect that yes uh, applies in Ukraine, But it's applied in America since, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. the Civil War, Mm -hmm. from what I could find. It's applied in Britain and all over the world. And today you still have to register. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine if, like, just blacks had to register for forced agricultural work Mm -hmm. in case of a food shortage. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I think we might hear about that every now and then. Just register just in case. How is it that such forced labor, the most immoral thing, has been so clearly overlooked by... Like almost everyone.
1: Yeah. You know, it's the women and children first ethos. Like, it is men's job to quietly, loyally, bravely die as slaves if their country asks for it. And it's not women's job to do that. Women's job is to be protected. Right. And this kind of attitude is there such that if a guy were to point it out, not only women, men would also make fun of him. Right. Oh, you're chicken. You're too scared. Oh, you don't want to die. Hell yeah. I don't want to die. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, th- th- I've, I've had to explain Another. that to a few friends. They're like, so you wouldn't defend the country? And I go, defend the Biden regime who calls me sexist, racist and xenophobic every chance they get. No, mm-hmm. I would not be spending a penny to defend the Biden regime if Putin wanted to install someone. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- why do men commit suicide so much more often?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So usually people distinguish between attempts and successful suicides. Attempts women seem to do better on actual numbers, though men are you know, better. You know, <laughs> women women have more suicides. Women have more suicide attempts. Men have more actual suicides. The proximate cause is men choose the methods that work. Women choose the methods that are unreliable. The best explanation I think is that when women do it, it is more of a cry for help, and they want to go and get more. And they like they may very well have a serious problem, but it's one where it, it is a cry for help where you're doing it not to end your problem, but to get people to get people to take you seriously. Men on the other hand, when they commit suicide, it's because they've actually decided, I want to be dead. right Now, as for what the deeper reasons for that for that are, you know like it's really hard to say. I mean like so you could say more well, society teaches men that they're expendable because that's possible, right? Uh, another one could be, men actually feel like if there's no one left in their lives that cares about them that their lives are not worth living and to say that's false it's like i don't know maybe it's true that if you don't have anyone who cares about your life isn't worth living you know if you're young enough you might say well then find some people if you're at a point where that's not likely to happen, then you can see that you could have a different attitude and i think that overall our views on suicide are deeply confused where like you The real real issue is that a lot of the people who kill themselves are people where they they clearly actually think things are hopeless, but it's not. And there's a lot of things they can do to turn things around. And and especially if you're young, the idea that you're going to feel this way forever is just wrong. On the other hand, there's a lot of people who are especially old who are in horrible constant agony. And uh, for them, I think it's totally reasonable to say suicide is an option that that you should think about. Um, And yet there is so much stigma against just being honest about that. It's like, oh, well, you think that just because someone is constant agony, their life isn't worth living? Yeah, for me, I would say my life wasn't worth living. The only reason it would be is if there's a prospect of the agony ending and life turning back to something like normal. And once you know the prognosis is not that, yeah.
0: When it comes to uh, having an empirical test or some metric to determining if someone is or isn't sexist, I wanted to ask you this because I was talking to someone and she is 100 percent positive that I'm a sexist. Just uh, like the sun is shining. She's positive. Mm-hmm. And I go, I'm actually 100 percent sure you are because you explicitly mm-hmm. judge people by their sex and mm-hmm. not by you know the content mm-hmm. of their character. How is there an empirical test or some metric we can actually use to verify mm-hmm. who is and who is not sexist, racist, homophobic, bigoted, et cetera?
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, of course, it needs to start with what do you mean by it? Normally, of course, people say, well, I just mean it in the normal way, right? Because if you <laughs> declare that you're accurate by virtue of just using words in weird ways, it is not a very satisfying victory. If you say, hey, there's over 3,000 planets in our solar system, it's like, well, no, no. It's like, yeah, well, by planet, I mean human beings. It's like, oh, well, in that case, yeah, there's over 3,000 human beings in our solar system. So then I, yes. Right now, so when people make claims, especially ones that are controversial, normally the whole idea is you want to start with words as they're conventionally used, and then say something surprising while using the words in the normal way. So what I would say is that the way that people normally use these words is for a sexist. It is is someone who treat who judges someone based upon their gender, regardless. What's the best way of putting it? Some, you know, someone who all else equal favors one gender over the other. Something like that. Racism. Someone who all else equal favors one race over another. Right? So that would be the reasonable standard. That is roughly what people mean. So, yeah, if you say that someone is sexist because they think that women aren't as good basketball players as men, it's like, well, that's just a fact. If there were to be actually a game, the, you know, an intergender game, and you then and you know, like, like a, male, a male versus female game, they all play by the rules and the, and the men win. For someone to say that was sexism, like, no, it wasn't. It was the men were better at basketball than the women. right? So those would not be reasonable standards. Again, it would have to be something like what economists are doing when they try to estimate degree of gender discrimination and pay, where they say, let's go and compare men and women who match in terms of what they do, and then see whether there is a, still a pay gap left after that same thing for racism or any other of those it really does it really like you know, in the background of ordinary language there is a notion of it's got to be because of that not coincidentally because of something that correlates with that.